Welcome to Grace Point Church Podcast. We proclaim Christ crucified and uphold him as the only hope for the fallen world. On today's episode, you'll hear from Pastor Fidel Nyekuri. Pastor Fidel is the Associate Pastor at Grace Point Church. Hello and welcome to Tafakari Tuesdays again. And that means we spend time thinking about things that matter for us as believers. This September, we focus on the question, how should the church be held? Uh, this is drawn from 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, where Paul tells Timothy, I'm writing to you this instruction so that you all know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. And we, we say that there's a way in which the church should behave. There's a way in which the church should conduct itself. And we want to see what this is, how this looks like. Now, last week, our focus was on church discipline. And it's the same thing we are doing today as we finish off on church discipline. We clarify that church discipline isn't all about excommunication, uh, putting someone out of the fellowship. But excommunication is the last resort. And church discipline is but part of the normal discipleship process. And then we looked at what sins warrant church discipline. And we say that there need to be three things. Uh, as we saw this from uh, uh, Jonathan Lehman, the sin ought to be significant, ought to be outward and non-repentant. Now today, we deal with the process of church discipline. How should church discipline be done? Church discipline is a good thing. And like any other good thing, when wrongly done, it can turn out to be so bad and be hated by so many people. And I think that's the problem we have today. And so what is this process of church discipline? How should it be done? Um, let's look at four principles, which I think would be helpful uh, as church, as congregations, where we are as members to help us think about the process of church discipline. Here are four principles to have in mind as you think about church discipline. Number one, aim at restoration. Aim at restoration. This is in all relationships. Church discipline should never be done out of the context of a relationship. And as it is with all relationships, the aim should be Restoration. We don't. We shouldn't just do church as if what we're aiming at is finding faults in people and throwing them, you know, out. All those who don't agree with us. It's clear in the Bible that whoever has an issue with a fellow believer should first to be reconciled with them. Jesus says that in the Sermon on the Mount, and also still in the Sermon on the Mount, he outlines in chapter five, verse twenty-three and twenty-four. That if you are offering a gift, then remember there's a brother or sister who has sent something against you. Then leave that gift and God be reconciled with them. Also in Romans, Paul says that as long as it depends on you, be at peace with all. Be at peace with everyone. So there's a need for us in the church. There is a need for us believers to make every effort to be reconciled with others. Every effort needs to be made to restore even those who are struggling in the church because the church is a hospital for sinners. We should be thinking about how can we continue coming alongside those who are in one way struggling, those who are in one way not living up to the demands of the Bible and come alongside them, those who are weak, those who are struggling. And when there's a mistake, the aim should always be for restoration. That is the first thing, the first principle. It's never just to part ways and completely one being cut off. It is always restoration. 
And this is done in the context of love. It is done in the context of day-to-day -day personal relationship. Number two, let the mature believers be on the forefront of administering church discipline. Let the mature believers be at the forefront of administering church discipline. Paul says in his letter to the Galatians in chapter 6 verse 1, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. This verse carries quite a lot of weight. But one thing that's very evident, very clear here is that those who are caught in sin, and there will be many of them, many kind of people in our congregations, when people are caught in sin, it's the duty then of the mature believers, those who live by the Spirit, Paul says, those who live by the Spirit should restore such people who are caught in sin, such people who are being tempted, should these people who are living by the Spirit should restore these people who are being tempted, these people who are caught in sin, they should restore them. And they should do that gently, doing that in humility. Every mature believer has a duty to care for others. Correction of sin cannot be done by those who are not mature. And it's a very, very important thing to, to think about because if you present those who are not mature to correct sin, they will condone. It's something they will play along with. They will look at it as a victim kind of an, uh, thing, a victim thing. They'll most likely just look at it and say, well, the gracious thing is just to let go and to forgive and to say, after all, I'm a sinner. But those who are mature realize, well, sin needs to be corrected. And they do so gently, watching themselves, knowing that they are not themselves free. They are not themselves insulated from temptation and from sin. The sad thing in most of our churches today is there seems to be no such mature believers around. Because there are many believers and even so-called pastors who are living lives of sin. And there seems to be no mature believer to talk to them. And people so just continue in their sin as if it's just nothing normal. Where are those mature brothers and sisters walking, living by the Spirit, who are able to gently restore those who are caught in sin? You know, in the last few weeks, how the story of uh, this Bishop of House of Grace has been doing rounds in, in, this, in, in this, you know, this country. And the way the whole story has been handled, the way the whole thing has been handled, I, I think it shows just this lack of mature believers. On one hand, the bishop is standing and saying, calling on the church and saying, this is all about mud slinging, it's all about maligning, it's all about blackmail and backstabbing. And he calls on them to still trust him and allow him to continue being their pastor because he knows now how to minister to them as they face this kind of things he's facing. And then he, the people invited to preach each and every Sunday, all they do is call on the congregation in a way not to let the man of God down, but to really live up to the name they profess to be, the house of grace. And in this whole fiasco, all that you see is a lack of mature believers who don't know what it means 
to have the process of discipline, the process of correction. I think as a churches, we need to do better. We need mature believers who know God's word well, mature believers who are loving enough to correct error and are humble enough to recognize that they are not doing this because they are better than all, but they are doing this because this is what the Lord wants of us. And that is how the church grows and progresses and is, is sanctified. So it needs to be done. It's not to be led by those who are mature. Number three, start small and let the circle expand slowly as necessary. Start small and let the church, the circle expand slowly as necessary. Jesus again in Matthew 18, 15 and 16. Let me read that. Matthew 18, 15 and 16. If your brothers or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you, if they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along you so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. From this we see, before someone's sin is even to be dealt with by the whole congregation, there is need for the believer who saw the sin to approach the brother or the sister and confront them in their sin. And if there is acknowledgement of sin and repentance from the party concerned, then praise be to the Lord because the brother or sister has been won over. But if there is unrepentance, then the circle is expanded to include a few, two or three more people, perhaps elders in the church or deacons. And Paul says, uh, Jesus says, uh, this is so that every matter may be established by the testimony or two of two or three witnesses, which is something we see in the law of Moses. So that it's not just a malicious plot being brought up or a personal vendetta being done, but it's very clear and there are witnesses that this is a process of correction. This is a process of discipleship. This is done so that even the person who is in sin may be called to repentance and may be won over. So here's the issue, let the matter be handled in the tiniest of circles as possible before it is brought to the whole congregation. And when this happens, it protects all the parties involved. Number four, finally, if there is non-repentance, let the church excommunicate the sinner. Finally, if there is non-repentance, let the church excommunicate the sinner. Uh, still in Matthew 18, in now verse 17 to 20, Jesus again, if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. If they refuse to listen to even the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly I tell you, says Jesus, whatever you bind on earth will be binding, bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. You see, if every effort has been made to correct and restore the brother or sister in sin and it has not borne any fruit, then the whole church needs to be brought in. And remember again, at this point, the nature of the sin, it is significant, it is non-repentant, and it is outward. And so when the issue is brought to the church, perhaps in a members meeting, then the congregation listens, they hear the case, and then the person is excommunicated, or as Jesus says, treated as a pagan or a tax collector. And Jesus again says this process, in this process, that whatever the congregation has agreed upon here on earth, 
is agreed upon in heaven. It is rubber stamped in heaven. It is because the church exists as Jesus' authority here on earth. The church has got the authority to affirm who is in and who is out. And this is a very big thing uh, that we, we really need to think about and see just the implications for this. Because as the church gathers in light of sin and the person who has sinned, the church then truly says, we can never, we cannot, no longer affirm that this person is in faith. And therefore, no longer part of the communion, no longer part of the fellowship. And that person is put out of the fellowship. Now, it doesn't mean that uh, this person can't come to church. It doesn't mean that they cannot listen to sermons because they need to be fed. They need to hear the gospel. They need to be to listen to the gospel so that they can be drawn to repentance. But the issue is this person isn't welcome to the communion and his this person is no longer a member. They cannot participate in the matters, decision making and even voting and in the ministry service of the church. And this is the process that needs to be thought about. Remember, aim at restoration. Let the mature believers do it. Start small and if there's non-repentance, then excommunicate. And as we do this as a church, we preserve the church, we are sanctified and we represent the Lord Jesus here on earth to the watching world. May the Lord help us to be those church that are living in honor and glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, may you help us that we may live to honor you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Grace Point Church Podcast. For more information and past episodes, visit our website, gracepointchurch.org. Please join us again tomorrow for a new episode. Goodbye.